The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean at Sean Martin NFL. And hey, buddy, we got a Cowboys game to talk about. It's about time. You know, it had been a pretty fun weekend, though, in Austin up until this point. You know, I was definitely looking to end on a better note, even if not in a win, just a better note than what we just saw from the Cowboys in a 19 to flee loss to the Bucks. But so enough, that's the cliffhanger to the weekend. And those Cowboys fans tuning in here on Monday, you know, probably can't turn the page fast enough to the Bengals, but we have a lot to go over with what just happened in Tom Brady's seventh career win against his team, which all but guarantees that he'll retire undefeated against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and that graphic, and it was funny because Chris Collinsworth mentioned that graphic. He's like, I'd like to hang out with the people that make up these graphics. And I was just thinking, well, then next time you're in Dallas, hey, just- why don't you go ca- – Try to track down a pork roll sandwich with me, bud, because that's the kind of stuff I think up. We're going to need a couple of those sandwiches and a couple of cold ones after what we just watched there. So. Yeah, it's uh, and definitely get out the beta blockers, all kinds of stuff because of what happened. But, hey, let me ask you this. Uh, 19 to 3, um, were you surprised by this? I think it would be wrong to say that we're fully surprised by it. I mean, certainly you can always expect to score at least one touchdown every week. So, you know, that probably comes as a surprise that you got completely shut out. But Todd Bowles is a tough defensive coach to scheme against. And, you know, he has a lot going on as far as taking over for Bruce Arians. And every head coach that gets tied to Tom Brady has such a tight, you know, watch on them. So he's had to take on a lot this offseason. And when coaches make a lot of adjustments and have to go through the things that he's gone through, you know, they fall back on what they're best at. And Todd Bowles is known as an aggressive, defensive-minded coach. So, you know, that's what he's comfortable doing. And he had all the extra time to know that the Cowboys were your week one opponent and know that they don't have those speed on the outside to, you know, deal with if you're going to bring pressure and a new left tackle. So all of those things led to just Todd Bowles, you know, dominating this game with the Bucks defense, getting the best of the Cowboys. So that doesn't come as a surprise, but the game flow maybe did. You know, the defense trying to keep you in it, but – Tampa Bay not making the most of the red zone opportunities, holding them to field goals to the point where, you know, we could even be talking about this could have been a lot worse, but 19-3 to is about as bad as you need to see for an offense that has a lot of questions to answer and not a lot of time to do it right now. I wasn't surprised by the defense. 
and this is kind of what I expected, was I expected sort of a uh, bare-knuckle fight, but I didn't know that the Cowboys would be offense would be playing the part of Don Knotts. You know, I, I didn't know that they would be kind of like uh, the Michael Sarah of um, the bare knuckle fight. Like I thought they'd actually put up a little bit of something. Maybe they lose in a low scoring game, but I think the Dallas defense did their part. And if you would have told anybody, if you just said, now Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are coming in week one and they're only going to score 19 points, I think Cowboys fans would have thought, oh, goody, now's our chance. Dallas is starting off 1-0. I think the defense did their part. That wasn't so surprising, and I don't think a loss into itself was surprising. It's just how, uh, you know, the Cowboys offense was like an Ikea piece of furniture that you didn't follow all the directions and had screws left over, and then eventually it fell apart and destroyed the Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, looking at this drive chart for Tampa Bay, I mean, like I said, could have been a lot worse to the point where, you know, 19 points, you feel good about yourself defensively. Almost, you know, I just thought of this now, but doesn't it feel like almost like the Chiefs game last year where you played Pat Mahomes so well and you were just begging the offense to do something, and then maybe you could have had that late-season win in Arrowhead. That would have changed almost the whole complexity of how we talk about the second half Cowboys from last year, and we spent all offseason almost too long talking about, oh, they faded in the second half. That's the story. It was a tale of two teams, and the most recent one was the one that lost all these games down the stretch and the playoff game. So that was the lasting taste in the mouth all offseason before we even started losing all these starters. And now, you know, we know that the replacements for those starters didn't really get it done tonight. So you have that kind of feel to this game. But again, Tampa Bay got down to you know, the 18 when they missed your field goal, and then the 11 when they settled for another field goal, the Dallas 29, and they punched it in for the touchdown, you know, later on when they get in the red zone from the from five yards out. So, you know, yeah, maybe we are talking about this team playing a similar type of game to the one they lost last year, and there's room for them to bounce back, or maybe we realize that, you know, Tampa Bay could have really been up by a whole lot more in this game, and that not only are they another elite team in the NFC, but the Cowboys are 0 for 1 as far as proving that they're anywhere near the top of the NFC contenders right now. Yeah, it has a totally different feel than the last time Dallas lost to Tampa Bay in week one. So let's go ahead and get to our whose fault is it and whose credit is it part of the Hidden Yardage podcast. I want your three people right now, Sean, that you blame for this loss. Whose fault it is who's three people in the entire organization you can even blame um the new concessions that they brought out at eight you can blame legends for that. not enough pork roll. yeah yeah there we go uh yes yes um you blame anybody but who are the three entities that you're blaming tonight for the 19 to 3 loss so I'll start with a player, and you know this might be a tad unfair, but again, C.D. Lamb was targeted 11 times to lead the team, so that's no surprise. He's your new wide receiver one. He should lead the way in targets. So 11 only gets you two catches, though. His longest catch was for 16 yards. You know, I've talked during the preseason about how this offense, their best chance to do anything 
was of course going to be if the defense was giving them extra possessions on turnovers, we still need that. And they only had the one interception against Brady tonight. So trying to get those turnovers. And in the preseason, there seemed to really be an emphasis on taking those shot type of plays after turnovers, which you'll have to see, trying to stretch the ball downfield. But in this game, that just didn't happen. Of course, you had to worry about the protection of Tyler Smith and Terrence Steele and then even Matt Farniak coming in for Connor McGovern. So that's an issue as far as why you couldn't stretch the ball downfield just as much as you know the way the Bucks play defense. But you couldn't get anything going down the field, and the result was a really tough way to sustain drives when you have to dump these short passes off to guys like Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb. Of course, when Lamb makes these catches on some of these short plays, we know his run-after-the-catch ability can maybe break a game open, but that didn't happen tonight either. So for Lamb to only have two catches for a long of 16, you know, shows that they have a long way to go to prove that he's the type of wide receiver one that can really carry them. And, of course, there's help on the way with Michael Gallup and James Washington. But this thing needs to run for Lamb. And, of course, it didn't when you didn't even score a touchdown all night, losing 19-3. to And so here we go. It's week one. <laughs> it's, so, it's so early. We are the second show that we get here on the feed on Monday. So I'm sure I'm not going to be the first one to mention anything along these lines. But I can't believe I'm bringing this up already. But my next two losers are going to be Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. I mean, and what does it say that we're already talking about not, I wouldn't say their job status, but just them in a negative light because, you know, for all the reasons I just said, you couldn't get the ball downfield, you couldn't sustain drives, those types of things with Kellen Moore. Also, his usage of Tony Pollard, it was there. They weren't lying to us this offseason when they said they want to do more. But doing more doesn't mean designing new crazy trick plays like they started out with. You know, just let Tony Pollard run the sets that Ezekiel Elliott gets to run for the most part. And then they had him out there to do the things that you need Zeke for, like blocking in the fourth quarter so Cooper Russ doesn't get killed, by the way. So that was another issue with Pollard, and that falls on Kellen Moore. And then McCarthy, you know, of course, didn't look pleased throughout the night. Nothing to be happy about there, especially when they gave him the, the update on Dak Prescott's hand. So we'll keep, an update, we'll keep an eye on that. But, you know, for a coach like McCarthy, who has been in this game so long, he has to be asking himself just how the roster got to this point. And, you know, at this point, is it too late to make enough changes where they can get competitive enough to save his job. I think that's a consideration for McCarthy and his offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore and the Cowboys wide receiver one in CDLM is where this loss falls on. For me, I blame Terrence Steele because he had three penalties on a drive that if Dallas could have really got some momentum, I believe, on that particular drive where Terrence Steele was just, you know, he had the false start, and it was in the first, I think it was, no, it was in the third quarter. He had that false start, and then they pick up 13 yards, first down and 10 at the Tampa Bay 49. They pick up another false start, and then they pick up, then he gets called for the holding call, then they get pushed back, and that just, that did it. They they had to punt after that early in the fourth quarter and it was still at a point in the game where the Cowboys could have you know actually done something and narrowed Tampa Bay's lead at that point um because it was you know 19 to 3 you could have had a chance to respond and they didn't and it was just Terrence Steele I feel like in that particular drive that cost them. So 
I blame Terrence Steele. He's on my blame. Uh, I also blame, uh, and this is easy, but it's also, it, it just needs to happen. You know, um, Stephen Jones, I blame Stephen Jones and just the direction of the of the roster construction this offseason that they took a chance on the offensive line that they let a proven commodity like um, Lyle Collins go and they went with knowing that Tyron Smith may have availability issues so they compromise swing tackle then you've got a rookie from Tulsa playing left tackle in the NFL, and then, lo and behold, your starting quarterback now has a hand injury. I mean, maybe he plays against the Bengals, and it's no big deal. But now your starting quarterback has a hand injury, and the whole thing for the whole offseason was Dak Prescott's healthy. No more shoulder. No more calf. No more anything. He's in the best shape of his life, and it's not a cliché. And then, you know, I think I came up with a new one. Next offseason, when people say they're in the best shape of their life, we're going to start saying they're in the best cliche shape of their life. Any, <laughs> I like that a lot. So, um, but now it's ruined. And that's Stephen Jones's fault for not putting adequate protection around Prescott. And then, you know, you took him from me. So I think we're in agreement with... Kellen Moore, um, it didn't look like it looked like creative play calling in terms of gadget plays. It didn't look like creative play calling in terms of traditional football and actually actually having a feel for the game. I got to tell you, feel like they gave up on the run too early. That's what it felt like tonight. See Ezekiel Elliott, he had five point two yards per carry. He was doing pretty well. Ten carries for 52 yards. And I just feel like they gave up on the run too early, and he was just calling kind of a showdown type of game as opposed to, like we talked about, a slugfest, which is what kind of the complexion this defense and everything is going to give you on a week-to-week basis. So those are my three guys, Terrence Steele, um, Stephen Jones and Kellen Moore. I blame them. And especially with the run game and Kellen Moore, you know, positive and negative there, because yes, it was negative how they got away from it. And then the scoreboard dictated that, you know, you had to go back to the air a little bit more. But conceptually, you know, a big thing with this offense last year that was just glaring as far as why they couldn't move the ball was they couldn't even run it when defenses were begging them on their hands and knees to, you know, run it at soft boxes. I mean, teams were just spreading out, covering these great receivers the Cowboys had, which couldn't be further from what they have at receiver now. And they still couldn't even run into those soft looks, though, to keep things balanced or to get Ezekiel at those touches. So they changed it up a good bit. And they had those in-line blockers, and they were using Dalton Schultz, who actually played well in-line. And then you have the double threat where he can you know, line up in the same position and go catch a pass. So that's something to build on for the run game and the pass offense that we need to see more of. They need to use the middle of the field more with CDIM and all these receivers as well. So there were some signs of progress there for an offense as far as like there's a, if you squint hard enough, you could kind of see the idea. 
that they're going for and some of the concepts that are still a core to Keller Moore and a core to McCarthy as well in his West Coast style. And they're all in there and they need to execute, but also, you know, you can blame the front office for not having enough talent out there to go execute or the guys to just make the plays regardless of what the scheme is. You know, just good football players out there. And, you know, Tampa Bay had way more than Dallas did. And sometimes the game is simple. The team with more better players wins. And that was pretty clear from the jump. The team with better players is going to win because, you know, even at halftime, 12-3, a nine-point lead felt pretty insurmountable, didn't it? So the second half, there was a little bit of hope, but it almost felt like through two quarters this game was over just because 12-3 with the flow of the game was was too much to handle. And in today's NFL, it's a pretty horrible spot to be. You don't want to feel like any game is over when you're only down 12-3 to because, I mean, just look at what the Eagles did today, your biggest competitor in the NFC East probably. 38-35 against Detroit, and you could say, well, it's probably not great they gave up 35 to Detroit. All right, that's fine, but, you know, you get in those shootout type of games, can you still win? And the Cowboys are a long way from showing that any type of shootout isn't just going to be one-sided, and Dak Prescott can actually keep that minute. We know talent-wise, of course, he can. This isn't, you know, our first in-season show. We're not here to really say much bad about Dak Prescott, but it's going to be pretty frustrating to see what he has around him and what he has to work with when it could have been a whole lot better. Again, it's just kind of the complexion of games and so forth. And like you talked about Detroit and Philadelphia, um, that there it was. That was just, you know, a, a matching type of situation on offense. Um, but with Dallas and Tampa Bay, the complexion of the game was really kind of a shootout. Not, not a shootout, just a slugfest. And you saw Kellen Moore calling more of a shootout type of offense. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm saying. That's why I included him with the blame. But with who should get the credit for the Cowboys, you know, who did their job in the 19-3 to loss, I think for me, number one, I think Micah Parsons, he came ready to play. So he's number one. He gets the credit. He had those two sacks. They were on third down, and they were in the red zone. They were really clutch. And then the second I would give to um, Donovan Wilson because he came up with that interception. And it wasn't so much because he got an interception. It's because he's still carrying – that defense is still carrying from 21 – that mentality of always being around the football and good things could happen. So I got to give Donovan Wilson some credit for that. And you know what? I'm going to give Ezekiel Elliott credit because he did. He got a 5.2 yards per carry. I think he did his job. They just got away from him. So those are my three people that I give credit to in the loss. And something we have to keep an eye on is Jabril Cox was, of course, inactive, and he's expected to at some point now be a big part of this defense at linebacker. So without him, I was concerned that, you know, Parsons wasn't going to get those pass rush opportunities, but that is where he really signed. And he still got strong play out of Leighton Vander as their linebacker. So they should be all right there. But yes, Parsons, you know, needs to be pointing at the quarterback as much as possible. And Dan Quinn made good on making sure he was going to be moved around. He was rushing off of the right side a couple of times and it wasn't going as well. But then he had those two sacks beating the left tackle. And he had, I believe it was Tristan Hill right next to him both times. So that was a good sign to see Hill be able to get that penetration, eat up blocks, and help Parsons get home as well. So 
Cowboys' best defensive front is to have all their pass rushers out there. Of course, you need the game flow and the situation like we're talking about to, you know, warrant having your pass rushers out there. Of course, the Bucks still hit you for some big runs as well. So it's a rotation that they're still figuring out in the defensive line, but Parsons is going to be a big part of it. You'd like to see Cox behind him on that second level linebacker, but even a safety like Donovan Wilson could play some snaps down there. So you might be okay at that hybrid nickel linebacker slash safety position as long as you have Wilson, who got off to a good start with the interception. My winner's list includes Tyler Smith at left tackle because I think he held up pretty well. I think his footwork needs a lot of work still. I feel like he he, he looked, the best way to put it is he looked exactly like his tape at uh, Tulsa did at tackle, but just kind of a step stronger, you know, an offseason in the NFL Strength and conditioning program has seemed to do him some good. You know, he's not kind of throwing his body around as much and trying to catch into blocks. He's able to move his feet and sustain. But I thought his hand play almost looked as good as it did when we saw him at guard. He's still able to make those punches and move guys in the run game and get downhill. So those are things you're looking for from a guy who's probably a more natural guard. But a tackle, you have to kick side and do some things more nimbly. And he was able to do that as well. So didn't hear his name being called for too many negative reasons. You know, the Cowboys have been trying to sell us that they found their new franchise left tackle, even though he's playing much sooner than we all expected. And Tyler Smith, he is a first-round pick, so he should be ready to start somewhere right away. And the left tackle could certainly be his home because I think he's off to a good start in this first game. Micah Parsons, of course, as well. And then I'll put Demarcus Lawrence in there. He had that big throw-down run stop early in the game. That was in the first quarter. He was lined up on the inside because you had Parsons as a stand-up left-end type of player there. So that's a formation we should see more of. Dorrance Armstrong even did some stand-up rushing from that side. So the Cowboys have a lot they can use to help get to Marcus Lawrence home this year. And he's, of course, a veteran and knows how to do it himself as well. So he got off to a good start, made some plays, and they're going to need more of that from the leader of this defensive line, along with Tyler Smith and Micah Parsons. Yeah, they're going to need a lot. And that that's kind of the problem is um... – it looks like the defense is ahead of the offense, and no, it's not because it's week one in the preseason and all of that stuff that they said. It's because that the offense it took a step back with the receiving core, with the offensive line, and you're just going to have to play these ugly games. And for the first five games of their schedule, uh, I, I just – don't know the viability of playing such ugly games. It's probably going to work against the Giants and the in Washington, okay. But relative to the Bengals, um, I don't know how much of an ugly game because they kind of played one with Pittsburgh, you know, because they took them to overtime and I didn't. And then Pittsburgh they prevailed twenty three to twenty. Um, so maybe you can play an ugly game with it, but you can't just score three points. That's kind of the problem. And as we just kind of look over the horizon a little bit at, um, the Bengals game, I mean, that to me just looks like the problem is I think the defense will be fine. It's just, I don't know about the offense. I, I don't know if they'll be able to, score enough points to keep pace with with the Bengals. But maybe they could, but it's just – it's like you pointed out. The Tony Bollard's going to get featured, but in these weird gadget 
plays, not in actual formations and everything, that he excelled. They're treating him like a lucky whitehead type or a Tavon Austin right. when they just need to treat him like Tony Pollard. And you have that type of player possibly in Kevante Turpin who they liked enough to you know, dress over your third-round rookie Jalen Tolbert, and then Turpin didn't do anything in the receiving game and, of course, couldn't make a splash on the turns as well. Yeah, so just as I said, when you look ahead to the Bengals, I mean, what, what do you think in terms of um, just, you know, what do you think? You think they can keep pace with them or they're looking at 0-2? This is a hard thing to predict from game to game, much like, you know, some of the things the Cowboys are counting on as far as being able to get as many turnovers as they did last year and some of those things as far as why they just regressed to, you know, go to 0-1 again. But you might get similar luck against the Bengals when it comes to their red zone, just looking at what they did in this overtime loss to the Steelers. You know, their first red zone drive went for a touchdown. Then they had a turnover on downs down there, another touchdown and a missed field goal in overtime. And on the game, Joe Burrow was sacked seven times. So, you know, the defense, again, we said this against Tampa Bay, though, and it's Brady, the GOAT, you're going against. So it didn't work, even though you held him down to 19 points, where that should be a number. If you're comfortable trying to win at, you know, you have a game, again, where the defense could give you a chance. They could carry you just based on what the Bengals did, particularly down there in the red zone. It wasn't great. You know, the Cowboys pass rush has another chance to tee off. We'll see our old friends. Lyle Collins at right tackle. So, yeah, they could get to Burrow and make this game interesting for sure. You know, I think, again, you're also just looking to see kind of some of the, I don't know if intangibles is the right word, but just some of the metal of this team. You know, last year the season started this exact same way. You lost to Tampa Bay, and you had to go play a tough AFC opponent, much like the Bengals are. And the Cowboys uh, showed a lot of grit in that game. You know, last year it was, it was at the Chargers week two, and, it was a back-and-forth game, comfort-behind effort, walk-off field goal with Greg Zerline. So, you know, they showed us a bit of what they were made of last year besides just winning to avoid 0-2 in that game. And I think that's exactly what they need to do again in this game. Of course, you know, they need to win potentially as well. 0-2 is not a great place to be at all. But beyond that, they need to show, you know, some of that fight, some of the ability to step up around Dak Prescott and realize that, you know, these receivers that are out there, you're playing with one of the best passers in the NFL – you're playing with a franchise quarterback that the Cowboys have made such a huge commitment to. They need to step up and make more plays in the offensive line and protection of them. I thought it was good tonight, but not you know fully where it needed to be so they could take another step up, of course, with Smith and Terrence Steele avoiding those penalties out to a right tackle. So, yes, if all of that happens, then you have a chance to beat the Bengals just to just to scrape back to one-on-one like you did last year. And then I don't know if we'll have the same optimism that they go on the same type of run that they did last year after that Chargers game. But, again, can't overstate the difference between, you know, 2-0, and 0-2 and 1-1. and So that's what the Cowboys are fighting for when they play a Bengals team. It's also 0-1 and, and desperate because they just lost to a division rival in overtime. They had their chances in the red zone. They didn't take advantage of it. So that'll be their focus in practice, much like the Cowboys' defense was already good in the red zone against Tampa Bay. Joe Burrow threw a pick six on his first pass of the season. So, and how much can you count on those things happening again? Hard to say, you know, just how much the Bengals are going to come out firing and really put a lot of pressure on the Cowboys to score way more than three points if you're going to be competitive. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's just one game. They're 0-1. But what's your Mike McCarthy stock right now? Well, like I said, during the you know winners and losers thing, I you know, I think it's a very, very bad sign that I'm bringing him up here in week one. You know, I try to just be fair about this team, of course. We don't try to lean too far one way or another. But I've been doing Cowboy stuff for enough years now. Where I think you kind of build a little bit of a personal brand just as far as where people can expect that you fall on the needle, you know, this guy usually more pessimistic, more optimistic. And I would say just judging out there in the great wide vast land of Cowboys media world that I tend to be on the brighter side more times than not when I can. And yeah, the Cowboys didn't really give us a chance tonight though, to, to do any of that. So that's why we have to come on here in our first ever regular season, uh, distant of hidden yardage and talk about McCarthy and it's fair. No, it's completely fair to, be as negative, I think, as you know you want to be when it comes to what happened here tonight. You know, I think we overrate in the NFL the whole motivational type thing. You know, oh, why didn't why didn't this team look ready? Why can't he get the guys fired up? Why can't you know? I think that's overrated. Talent wins out, and he's not coaching superior talent right now. He deserves better. He had better last year though, and of course they didn't make it past the wild card round. So you know that might ultimately be what the Joneses say when it comes down to why they have to move on from a coach like McCarthy to make another decision on who's going to actually turn this roster around. You go look at this roster two ways. You could say, you know, it's a black hole type of thing. They expect to win, but they're not going that way just yet, but they still have enough to really turn this around, which I think is kind of, you know, the way they're going to operate, of course, because it's only one loss so far. Or you could be opportunistic about it and say, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. There's the cap space. We're not tied to too many contracts. This is an opportunity to get the right coach that can rebuild this thing while Prescott is, is still in his prime, but that's a rebuild that needs to happen quickly. I think McCarthy kind of was subject to like a pseudo-rebuild this offseason like we've talked about. It was and wasn't. They're trying to do it on the fly, and you know the IKEA furniture has a couple of screws still left out, and that's why throughout the season it might start breaking down even further than it did tonight. You need to beat you know last year's Super Bowl participant just to get the one-and-one, one, so – there was a square target on the back of Mike McCarthy, even after just one game like tonight. And it's not going to get any better, you know, even win Oilers throughout some of these contests for the Cowboys. And all we can do is hope that this season starts the same way last year did with a loss to the Bucks and then a win against a good AFC team. And that's what we're looking at next Sunday. There wasn't really anything Mike McCarthy in his role could have done tonight. Because... Um, I know Dak got hurt, but 
that wasn't like Dak was playing in garbage time. The game was still within reach. I think he would have got a lot more criticism if they would have uh, pulled Dak at that particular juncture. So, you know, I, I don't really think that that's, you know, anything you can pin on McCarthy. Um, when you look at the penalties, that was kind of an issue. And you had, like I said, Terrence Steele, his penalties, they, um, you know, they were problematic. Then as a team, they had 10 accepted penalties. So, you know, some of that reflects on coaching, but it's just one game. It's the first game of the season, and I think if they would have won it, I don't think I would be saying that Mike McCarthy is uh, eligible, you know, that he's disqualified from the hot seat. I think that this is just getting started. and if, But if this continues of the offense, can't get things going, Mike McCarthy's not doing anything, penalties continue to be a problem, uh, then it does start to reflect on McCarthy. Would you rather you know, start the season hot like they did last year and fade down the stretch and we all saw it coming and we all kind of know exactly how it played out or you know, start slow and potentially still be playing your best football down the stretch? Of course, you can't start too slow where you play yourself out of contention and you're not playing for anything at the end of the season. In the NFC East, it's hard to picture you know, that could be the case even though you are in last place right now. Everybody else that want to know and the Cowboys 0-1. But hard to picture that they're going to fall completely out of the NFC East. I know we've had years in the past where us in the media almost, I don't know, you know, almost wishing, uh, you know, they would at times where it's like, you know, they're not going to win the division. They had, you know, some of the backup QB years I'm talking about, like the Matt Castles out there. They had years where even those quarterbacks had a chance to keep them in it, but you knew, you know, obviously they weren't going to be competitive enough to really take advantage of that. But the, the rest of the division just wouldn't, you know, put you out of your misery if you would because they would just kind of lose at the same pace the Cowboys are dropping these games at with their backup quarterbacks, and yet you still have to talk about the whole mathematical ways to get into the playoffs, all that. So, of course, we're not there yet, but, yeah, this division's going to be here for the taking. Beyond that, they need to show more, you know, to show they can actually contend with a team like Tampa Bay or Cincinnati or the Giants in Week 3 who got a really good win against the Titans today. So, all that needs to be proven for this Cowboys team, but, if we operate under the assumption that you know the division is going to be there for the taking all year long, and the reason for that is because Dak Prescott is still the best quarterback in the division, then they need to get him some more help. Of course, they need this offense to gel together. They need to find a way to stretch the field, whether that's Kevante Turpin getting out there for more snaps at receiver. You know, Michael Gallup, as much as we love his game, and he could certainly get down the field, he will help in that way. He's still another tight window type of player where you know how many Gallup perceptions are wide open, you know, down the field type of throws. It's a lot of contested balls, contested catches, which are great to have in your offense. You had too much of that in this game against Tampa Bay, and that's why you didn't sustain drives. You got into third and long, so they were tip balls and things like that. So that's a tough way to live and a tough way to play offense. So those are the things that need to get corrected as you move forward for, you know, a coach like McCarthy, knowing that, yeah, you have the best quarterback out there, but you have to play meaningful games where it matters where your quarterback can actually make the difference and not just be, you know, a situation like what the Eagles had today where 
Jalen Hurts didn't play great, but they found a way to score 38 points and go win. And yeah, that's just going to be the storyline that the Cowboys are going to have to deal with all season long. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, you really get three different teams in a season. And right now, what the Cowboys have is really bad. And when the reinforcements come, we'll see how Gallup, Washington, um, Jason Peters, if you will, changes things for the offense. Um, but right now, yeah, it's just it's 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 going to generate a lot of clicks. Let me just put it that way with what's going on with the Cowboys. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the Cowboys birthdays before we get out of here. We got two on Tuesday. Brad Johnson, he turns 54 years old. He played backup quarterback for Dallas from 07 to 08. He got to start three games for Dallas in 2008. They went one and two in that stretch. Um, but you know what he did that apparently Dak Prescott hasn't been able to, to do the last two years, Sean? He beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then on Friday, Jeff Swaim who played tight end for Dallas from 2015 to 2018, turns 29 years old. He's now with the Tennessee Titans. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. I remember when the Cowboys Nation account, and if I can real quick, uh, Cowboys Nation on Twitter, I think a lot of fans are familiar with. And the man behind that account is a, is a friend of mine named Mike, uh, who is a friend of you know, all of ours in Cowboys Twitter because he does so much for us. And I know he's kind of down on uh, his health right now and a couple of things, and, but a bunch of people are pulling for him and helping out however we can in Cowboys Nation, which we like to do for our fans. So, Mike, if you're listening or you know any Cowboys fan out there who's familiar with Mike, which is so many of them because of the following that's been built up at Cowboys Nation, uh, you know, we're pulling for you, of course. But he started such a big Jeff Swaim fan base, and I'll never forget that. Uh, you know, we called it the Swaim train. They had the train emojis, emojis and stuff every time he caught passes. So, you know, it's kind of fun throughout the season. The, the lesser-known players that can get some hype and – can kind of get that niche following. And Swain was definitely one of those guys because of Cowboys Nason uh, doing his time here. We, we're definitely pulling for Mike. And may the Cowboys help help him out during this time and uh, just not contribute to the overall headache. You know what I mean? You might have to turn the games off a little bit early. I don't know. Right, right. Um yeah, me and you might start getting invested in Saturdays, though, right? How about UT, a hell of an effort against Alabama? Really would have liked to see them pull that game out, but wasn't to be. So, you know, they still show that there's some bright spots for the future. They lost Quinn Ewers for possibly more than just that game. It's going to be a couple of weeks till they get their star new quarterback game, but also, you know, Arch Manning in the pipeline. So UT football, hopefully around the corner as far as being a contender again, showing that you could play a one-score game with Alabama. And take the lead in the fourth quarter was a good sign. And now Arkansas is into the uh, what, top 10 in the rankings as well. So, yeah, Saturdays are going to carry uh, hopefully some meaning for us if Cowboys Sundays are going to feel like this one. Yeah, for sure. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And we're part of the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Subscribe to all those great podcasts. And uh, we will break down the games. And we will definitely make it entertaining. And you don't have to be alone with your feelings this season. 
Just subscribe to all the podcasts on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. We'll help you get through it. No doubt about that. Yeah, we got the rea- you know immediate reactions. Two shows, one of them being this one, of course, on the Mondays, and then you know Tuesday, Wednesday, start turning the corner. This week it'll be on the Bengals. So you know the constant tone of trying to look at the game that just happened, but also look ahead is going on. So the Bengals are a good opponent to talk about, of course. Last year's AFC representative in the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow getting off to a rocky start. Like I said, at that first pass being a pick six this year, it's like, oh, the Bengals a big regressive candidate. Well, now they're 0-1, the Cowboys are 0-1, and you got two pretty desperate teams meeting it up at AT AT&T Stadium next Sunday. All right, so there it is.